everyone, and welcome to another episode of Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly, a podcast conversation with successful business owners who share their secrets of thriving in business while living with chronic illness. Here's Nancy Becker. Hey, everyone. I am Nancy, the Chief Flying Pig Wrangler. I help women business owners with chronic illness map out their journey and implement new systems in their business so that it can function more efficiently. Do you need better systems to scale your company? Would you like to have some productivity hacks to get you through the day? Do you have a chronic illness? Well, here at Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly, we have conversations that share the tools and mindsets others use to make our businesses grow more easily. I know our guest today has some insight into that, so grab your pens and paper and get started taking notes. It's going to be good. Welcome, Tara Wagner. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm really excited to have you here. And we were talking before I hit record, and she's already given me some wonderful (laughs) ideas about setting up my new studio that I'm going to be doing soon. And so I know that when we get started on our conversation, there's going to be a lot of wonderful information for you guys too. Tara, tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you here. Sure. So I have been an entrepreneur for over 20 years. Um, My first business. I went into already having some health conditions and then did all of the things that people say you have to do and hustle hard. And, you know, that's what it takes to create success and caused a whole lot of other health issues (laughs) through that process. And then had to take a couple years off to just heal myself, body and mind and come back into it. Um, I started working again, probably about 12 12 years ago in a new business and about four or five years ago, started specifically working with entrepreneurs who are struggling with burnout, who are struggling with just basically following the hustle culture advice that says the only way to be successful is to work seven days a week, 16 hours a day. And eventually you can, you know, have your dream life, which is essentially what we're sold when we're working for somebody else. And we get into business so that we can have time freedom and financial freedom And we just don't know how to create that. We just follow the same guidelines that everybody else follows and end up hurting ourselves. And so I essentially help entrepreneurs make over their business plan, make over their mindset, make over their systems so that they can have the time freedom that they got into business for and not burn themselves out, burn their families out, cause problems that they then have to try to scramble to solve. I basically essentially try to help people avoid what I did (laughs) my first 10 years in business. Well, and you know, I think we all do that women, especially, and I know men, when they go out into the workforce, their main goal, yes, sure. They have a family. Sure. They do this. Sure. They do that. But their main thing oftentimes is working, bringing in the income, taking, you know, and that's how they take care of the family. Us as women we have to take care of the house. We have to, you know, this is obviously a a broader spectrum from all the generations, but we're raised to think we have to do it all. And if we can't, then there's something wrong with us, Yeah, but not from the standpoint that there's something physically wrong with us. It's just, we're, we're, we're told you're lazy. You're, you know, all these different kinds of things. So we're told that we can do it all. 
Yeah. When in fact, we're one person, you know, it used to be that you would get married because we needed a partner and you would split things between that partner, whatever that split used to look like, you know, before it used to look like the woman stayed home and the man worked. And, Mm -hmm. and my husband and I, we've had times where I worked and he stayed home, but we always tried to keep in mind, like, this has to be evenly distributed because of that very thing, because as women, you know, we now realize we can have anything we want. We can create what we want. We don't realize that we can't do it all. We are still only one person. And so, and this is something that I see in entrepreneurs as well. They start off as solopreneurs. They don't want to hire anybody else. They want to be able to do it all themselves. And I keep trying to tell them there's certain businesses that that will lend itself to, that will work with. But if your goal is not just financial freedom and it is time freedom, you do get to bring in a team for support, whether that looks like a mentor, whether that looks like an assistant, whether that's a contractor to come in and do, you know, get certain things off of your plate. One way or another, you are a one single human being. You can't do it all. You can have it all. You can't have it all at once. (laughs) You can't create it all at once. And you, you cannot put the burden on yourself that you're some sort of superhuman that has more hours than anybody else, more energy than anybody else, and should be able to do things that other people can't do either. Yeah. I know for years I've had assistants and employees and VAs and different things like that. So it was relatively easy for me to bring on help from the very beginning of my businesses. Yet even for myself, I remember at times thinking, do I really want to do this? I don't want to give my business away. Right. You know, this is Our baby. mine. Yeah. 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 Can I trust anybody else to love it as much as I do? You know, are they going to care as much as I care? Are they going to put in the same effort? And, and it's, I, I tell people like your business is your baby. Pretend that you just had a baby. It's nerve wracking to hand that baby over to somebody. Even if it's a family member, who's going to babysit the first time you hand that baby over, you're like, do they know what they're doing? You know, are all of the light sockets like covered up? Like what's going to happen? I don't know if I can trust them. It's the same exact thing with our businesses. You know, can I trust this other person to care as much as I care and put in the effort that I put in and, you know, genuinely want to see this business succeed, not just show up and put in the hours. Yeah. So how do you get around that? Yeah. That's a great question. Okay. So there's a couple things. Number one, you have to examine your thoughts and your ideas and your assumptions and your own experiences. Because a lot of us, we got into business because we didn't want a boss. So the idea of then putting ourselves into the shoes of the person that we didn't like brings up a lot of stuff. So we need to examine that. We need to understand, okay, what does that mean to me to be somebody else's boss? Not what do I want it to mean, but like, really what in the back of my mind am I thinking that that's going to mean, you know, what am I worrying that people are going to say or think about me? And if you've been on social media, you've talked to anybody, there's a lot of things that people say about their boss. So it's very vulnerable to put ourselves into that situation where we know we're going to be imperfect. We know we're going to mess up. We know people are going to have probably very legitimate complaints at times, but, you know, still needing to put ourselves into that position. That's not comfortable. And so we have to examine that. 
And we have to do any work around that that we need to do, any sort of mindset work that somebody, you know, if somebody journals, if they meditate, if they have a therapist, if they have a mentor, getting coaching, anything that you can do to make sure that you're questioning those assumptions and, and kind of turning them on their head a little bit and starting to define for yourself, okay, this was my definition of being someone's boss. What do I want my new definition to be? And what does that look like? You know, what do I get to do in this role? How do I get to do things differently so that we can really cultivate how we want to show up? And we're going to start to feel better because we're now thinking of being the boss as something that aligns with our values and doesn't clash with them. It aligns with our needs and doesn't clash with them, right? It aligns with our beliefs and doesn't clash with them. As long as we have something in there that clashes, we're going to have a hard time moving forward. So I don't, I'm not the type of person that says you got to do mindset first and then you go and do the work. I actually believe you got to do mindset while you got to do it while you're taking action and doing the work. So I always tell people start there, but you don't stop doing all of the other things. The rest of it is you've got to gain the skills. You need to learn how to interview people. There's a process to that. It's a skill that people develop over years of practice. You've got to learn how to um, you know, filter people, like just being able to look at applications and being able to filter resumes out. And, you know, there's a whole process to this to make sure that you're then bringing in the right people, because it is true. You can bring in the wrong people. You can bring in somebody who doesn't care. You can bring in somebody who's really good at selling themselves and saying, you know, I know how to do X, Y, or Z. And then they come in and it's terrible work and they have no idea what they're doing because there's so much information out there on how to interview well, right? There's not a lot of information out there on how to make sure you're going into the job that's right for you. And so that's our job. And we get to develop that as a skill. And this is something that like, I have an entire module of this just in my, my program, because if you don't understand all of these things and there's work that you do, even before you start trying to interview, even before you put out a, a job description, there are things that you need to do so that you're clear on who it is that you're trying to pull into your business. Who is going to be the right fit? What are the skills they need to have? What's the character traits, the values that they have, right? You need to be able to spot this person when you're actually sitting down and working with them. And so walking through that and practicing those skills and then understanding your first hire is probably not going to be that great because you're learning. Your second hire is going to be better than your first one because you're learning and so on until you get to the point where you are so good at this. You are attracting a dream team. You've got people with you that believe in what you're doing. And I don't care if you sell widgets or like, you know, clean trash cans for a living. There will be people who believe in what you're doing. If you know what it is you're doing and how you're doing it and the difference you want to make, and you know how to convey that to people and you know how to find people who that aligns with and find people who are the perfect fit for that. And so when you start to do that, you gain the confidence through actual experiences, not through trying to hype yourself up. You know, the mindset work is important, but it's not, I got to do the mindset work and then I'm going to feel good and go and rock this. It's I'm going to do the mindset work to give me the confidence to start practicing, but genuine confidence comes on the other side of it. Once we've done it enough times to really realize here's how I hire somebody good. And that took me decades. <laughs> And, you know, it's really interesting because I've just been going through all of that. My um, 
my assistant retired in June. And since June, I've gone through five different VA services trying to find the right one. You know, and every one of them, I go, oh, you're perfect. You're exactly what I want. And I thought I had it all. And then two, you know, two to three weeks, sometimes a couple of months, sometimes they were gone, you know, and I'm just going, all right, what did I do wrong? Yeah. But so I'm, I'm understanding exactly all of what you're talking about. But it, there's there's another piece in there, too, that is at least the excuse that when I was doing more about teaching people to hire VAs and things like that, the excuse that I always got was I can't afford it. Oh, yes. It, and that's that's a legitimate reason for a lot of people. Right. What do you do when you're in that situation where you don't have more time? to grow your business, but you don't have more money to leverage other people's time. And I always talk about this as being like a hiring ladder. And so I always tell people, you're going to have to start off at the bottom of that ladder. If you don't have the money to start higher, right? If you can't start up at the top where you can go to indeed and you can find a really qualified person and you can really make sure that you can afford them. And like, once you get to that point, you've got some money and savings, you know, you can make payroll for a few months. Should something happen? That's the pinnacle. That's ideal. When you can't do that, you start at the bottom rung, right? And the bottom rung is what can I barter? So what is going to make sense for me to barter, right? You don't want to barter something that's going to take you more time and energy. But if you're not working on a Saturday and you're with your kids, maybe there's another, you know, work from home parent that can, you know, you guys can swap kids, Um, you, they can do a little bit of work for you and you're going to watch their kids for date nights or something like that. Right. You start off with bartering and then you start with like, you know, really low cost help. This might be teenagers. If the tasks are appropriate, might be college students. It might be an intern, maybe a free intern or a paid intern, keeping in mind that you have to be able to train them. And that requires you to have some systems in place and some organization and some SOPs in order to do that. And then you kind of, you continue to move up. You can then hire somebody from the Philippines. Again, this is a different skill, being able to hire somebody from a different culture, you know, potentially a language barrier. Those types of things are challenges you navigate, but you do it because the more you can outsource little things and get little things off your plate, you spend that time on income producing activities, sock that income away into a, you know, a future payroll account. And then you continue doing that using the free time that you can create to make some money, to sock it away, to climb that hiring ladder until you can get to the point where you can hire somebody. And what I generally tell people is the first really great hire you're probably going to have is somebody who was maybe a stay-at-home mom. Maybe they don't have a college education. They're just getting into the workforce, something like that, where they have the skill and the experience, right? They're old enough and mature enough. They've been around the block. They've got their values in place. They've got a good character and good work ethic. They just don't have the skills, but you're willing to train them. And then you can start off somebody off at an entry-level position and be able to work them up from there. And again, making sure that they are either doing income-producing tasks themselves or doing tasks that are going to free you up to focus on income producing tasks so that you are making sure that you're making more money or that they are paying for themselves so that you can continue that cycle forward. I love it. I love it. Yeah. That's, and that's exactly what I've done for 35 years. Yeah. So it, it works guys. Listen to these wonderful it's words. Easy, right? So everybody wants to, to sell easy because that's sexy. 
that is, I think, one of the things that sets me apart is that I won't tell you that it's easy. I'm going to tell you that it's hard because business can be rough, especially as you're getting the hang of things. It gets easy. It becomes easy over time, but you kind of just got to go into it with a mindset, like a growth mindset that says, no, this may not feel easy at the beginning, but I can figure this out. And this can become easy. And I'm, I'm dedicating myself to focusing on the skills and doing the things that are going to lead me in that direction. Because working my butt off isn't easy either. Doing everything myself isn't easy either, but that's not heading in the right direction. So if it's going to be hard either way, I'm going to choose the path that's going to head, at least move the needle inch by inch in the direction that I want to go. So that easy or so that hard can become easy over time. Yeah. Whenever I tell people that they need to create systems, I say you may, if you set out to to figure out and create and implement a system, it is going to be so hard while you're creating you know you're gonna use brain cells you didn't know you had (laughs) yeah but then once it's all set up and working you can sit back and go you know and everything's working beautifully and you don't have to worry about it but you've got to get through that initial time exactly when you know when you're creating it so you are right on the money and chip away at it, right? Like it's, we think like, oh, okay, well, I need systems. I need SOPs. I need to get all this stuff fixed. And that means I need to do it right now. I need to have it done in the next week. Well, that's uh, not likely. Nope. <laughs> we get to chip away at it. We get to just make sure that, you know, that, that we're doing a little bit at a time that we're starting with the things that are going to make the biggest impact or the things that we want to outsource first, get those systems in place so that the person that you're bringing in is coming into a well-oiled machine and they have an SOP that's telling them exactly what to do, what happens or what they should do if something comes up, right? They have all of that. You've basically now put your brain, I call it a second brain. You've put your brain into a second brain that they can now access, create videos of you doing all the things you normally do. And then you can say, okay, here's the task here's the SOP. Here's a video of me doing it. Go through this a few times, practice it. And it's going to be so much easier, but you got to just chip away at those things. Like I'm still working on SOPs. Like it's (laughs) because you focus on what matters. You focus on your income producing activities and you clean things up as you go along. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think we always, no matter how long we've been in business, we all, like I've been in business for over 35 years, I'm totally revamping everything. I did it a year ago and now I'm doing it again. Yeah. You know? So you're, you're constantly change and evolve. You have to, right. You have to revamp things and make sure that, you know, they're staying up with the current needs and not just you're sticking with, oh, well, this worked and I spent so much time on it five years ago. I don't want to throw it away. Well, you know, unfortunately, nothing lasts forever. And we do get to continue to evolve things as we well, go. And, and that actually brings up another question, which again, is, is a mindset question. And uh, listen to me talking about mindset. I said, I would never talk about mindset, but it's such an <laughs> I important... said, I would never talk about business. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah, it would, it, you know, everything is Eat around it. <laughs> I know it. I know. But when we, when I, start talking to people when I'm, when I'm trying to get them into my mastermind program and different things like that. And I'm having conversations with people and I will be listening to what they say they need and I'll Mm -hmm. make suggestions. I'll say, well, have you ever tried this or have you ever tried that? 
you you can come up with such incredible resistance no that will never work for me or well I tried that years ago and it didn't work so I'm not going to try it again how do you get people to realize that they need to have open minds and they need to be able to try things I mean, that is the question of the ages, right? There's an entire book called Mindset, all about a fixed versus a growth mindset. What you just described is a fixed mindset. It's the idea of, I, I can't move. This is an immovable object. I can't figure this out. This can't be solvable versus, you know, let me try again. Let me, you know, tweak this. I can develop this. I can get better at this. That I really believe is something that people have to come to on their own. And I think that it's something that life or the universe or whatever anybody wants to call it kind of naturally walks people through. I think the main thing that I have noticed is that we tend to get to the point where we become open when we are burnt out, when we have no other option, but to say, okay, this isn't working. And yes, I think I've tried everything, but how many things have I really tried? It's probably been like four or five and it feels like everything. And you know, I, I have to do something different. I don't have another choice. And that was me. I got to the point where <clears throat> I was so burnt out. I, I, I have over 30 different health diagnoses. Some of them were before my business and some of them were created after because of the work or the way that I was working. And it wasn't until I kind of hit my own rock bottom, totally burnt out when I realized I can't keep going this way. I have to try something new, even if I don't like it, or I have to give this up altogether and just, you know, get a job, which I've never, I've never really had a job. (laughs) Like I've always worked for myself since I was about 19. So that concept was just like, well, that's not an option. So I have to do something. And I think, you know, it's the same when it comes to things like addiction, right? We tend to have to hit our own rock bottom and have our own kind of come to Jesus moment before we realize, okay, I have to open myself up and start listening to other people. And so generally by the time people come to me, they're already open. And if they're not open yet, if I'm seeing a lot of that resistance, I'm not going to try. What I'm going to do is like, just encourage them to like, you know, keep watching my YouTube videos, keep reading my emails and just glean things as they need to glean things. And when they're ready, they're going to come to it. But I've just gotten to the point where I'm like, there's so many people out there that are needing it and ready for it. If you're not ready for it, I'm not going to take my time away from the people who are. Or your energy. Yeah. To try to convince you that you should, or my energy, because you're right. I, I live with a lot of health conditions myself. I can't, I can't spend my energy trying to convince somebody of something that they don't want. or aren't ready for. And I think also I've gotten to the point where I trust the process. And I know that if somebody's forced into doing something before they're ready, it's not good for them. It's actually, they need to go through that kind of waking up process and the aha moments that they're going to have to be able to find the solutions that they're going to need. And so I've gotten, and this probably just comes over time, right? Like I'm 40 years old now. You asked me 10 years ago and I was like, no, I can, I can help anybody. And now I'm like, no, it's not up to me to help anybody. And there is a process and I have a lot more patience for the unfolding of that process and trusting that, you know, when it's right for somebody, they're going to come up with it. I will say this though, if somebody feels ready, but they also feel resistance, 
that's different, right? It's if it's like, I really do want to change. I really do want to help, but I'm having a hard time. You know, like I'm scared. I'm nervous. I I'm worried about the time or the money I'm going to spend. And if nothing's going to come out of it, those are legitimate worries and concerns and fears based on past experiences. So I wouldn't say, you know, just ignore it and just wait for yourself to feel hundred percent ready. You're never going to feel hundred percent ready. You've got to get to a point where you can examine those things and say, okay, but why am I nervous? And what happens if I don't do this and do some of the mindset work, either get help with the mindset work or, you know, do the, whatever tools you might have, but do the things you need to do to be able to address those worries and concerns because they're coming from a place in your mind that legitimately just wants to protect you. And if you ignore that, it's going to get louder and put the brakes on harder because its primary job is to protect you. But if you can say, okay, I'm just trying to protect myself with this worry or this fear, or this concern, what am I trying to protect myself from? Is there a better way to protect myself from that? So for instance, um, I just went into this huge marketing campaign and it was a big investment and I was worried. I was freaking out about it. And I was like, okay, do I want to do this? What happens if I run out of money? And I sat down and I said, okay, what, what am I trying to protect myself from? Well, I'm trying to protect myself from failure, from, you know, blowing through a savings account. And then we don't have an emergency fund. And then I could sit down and say, okay, if that's my concern, what do I need to have in place to make sure that I can be protected, that I can be safe and secure? How much money do I want to make sure I have in savings? What do I not want to get down below? Um, you know, what are the things that I want to do? Where do I want to draw the line? And setting those things up helped me to meet my needs for security. And I no longer felt that resistance. And I only felt excited for the process. But ignoring those things does not make those things go away. We just have to know what is our mind trying to protect us from? What can I do that will better protect me so that I can take the steps I know I need to take, but allow myself to feel confident in taking them and not afraid that I'm going to, you know, blow up my life or something. Yeah, that's, that's totally perfect. I immediately think about something for myself. And this, of course, um, goes to show my values for myself and my, my ideals. And I immediately, if there's something that I'm afraid of, something that I'm not sure of, I have a conversation with God, you know, and I say, all right, is this what you want me to do? And then I have faith. If it's, you know, I then just jump out into faith. And if it doesn't happen, I I will put boundaries on it to a certain extent and say, I will spend, you know, X number of dollars. And if it hasn't come at that point, then I will shift gears. But God, I'm trusting that this is what you want me to do. And I'll move on from it. And I think that has really, because I haven't been that way up until recently. And interestingly, since I've started feeling like that, putting my faith out there like that, Mm -hmm. man, have things started to change and grow. (laughs) Right. It's just that, that gut knowing that instinct that you know, when we actually slow down and listen and get out of our heads, and this is hard because some people, I, I follow the Enneagram and they talk about three different types. There's head types, heart types, and body types. Mm-hmm. Some people, the body types are gut instinct people. And if they're thinking too much, they're not listening to their gut. They're not taking swift action. And they tend to be the people that they just need to listen to that gut instinct 
and take that swift action. Other people are heart-centered people. They need to listen to their heart. They need to really slow down and just like, you know, what am I feeling in this? What's my intuition saying? And then again, take action, trust that. Even if you make mistakes in what you think is your intuition and it's not, the more you practice listening to it, the sharper it becomes. And then for those of like anybody who's a head type, you've got to do the analyzing and the thinking through it and making sure that, you know, you're addressing all of those things and you've got to know for yourself. And I find for most people, there's a little bit of a balance between at least two, if not three of those, those types that you've got to learn, like, you know, what does this look like for me? And at what point do I just need to take that leap of faith? And, you know, the only way we get good at listening is to start doing what we hear so that we can sharpen that, that skill of understanding what our intuition or God, or, you know, whatever anybody describes it as that's listening, knowing what that sounds like and what that looks like so that we get better at it. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I think that's an absolutely wonderful place to stop this conversation for today and say, guys, I've got goosebumps. I think this has just been an incredible eye-opening awakening for me. I hope it has for you. Thank you, Tara, for all of the wonderful information today. Do you have something going on that you'd like to share? Is there something in your business? I have a free class that I think would be super helpful. Um, It's called how to use a holistic approach to create a profitable business without burning yourself out. And what it does is show the top three mistakes that small business owners are making. And it introduces you to the strategies that I teach that help people to create a profitable, profitable business working under 40 hours a week. So if that's something that anybody's interested in, you can go to my website. It's exotara.us slash training. You can sign up for free. Um, and that will, that'll help so much in just giving you some of the foundational skills, showing you some things that you can do right away to be able to start making some changes and free up time and energy. Okay. And if you guys didn't get that, if, if we went through it too fast, it will be in the show notes. No fear. You'll be able to find it there. And again, thank you so much. This has just thank been you for having wonderful. Me. Now to wrap things up, often after a podcast, people want to know more about some of the things that we do with Business Success Unlimited. And I am really excited. You all are the first to hear. I am really excited in that over the next few months, my business, as we were talking about, things change and my business is going to be changing. I am going to be converting my business into a nonprofit specifically for entrepreneurs who are dealing with chronic illnesses, especially those of fibro and complex regional pain syndrome. The association is going to have many of the same things that we've been doing here in the business. It's going to have training. It's going to have resources. It's going to have chat groups where we can come together and feel like we're not so alone. And as everything progresses, I will keep you all informed of that. If you're interested in helping, volunteering, have suggestions for what 
the foundation should look like, let me know. The podcast is going to continue. And I'm, as always, looking for guests and looking for topics. So hit me up for any of that information that you have. And until next time, get out there, be productive, and soar higher. Take care, y'all, and we'll talk again soon. Bye-bye.